welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. All right. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast, season 12, episode 11. Good to be back with you. We were off last week for the holidays and, and excited to be, be back again. Myself, Dan Fellers, and Ali Losa. A regular home back should be a familiar uh, uh, podcast regular Scott. Hey there. With us, Alex. Uh, last name of you on the show with us today. Nice to be here. I think I'm having. All right, good. I think I was having some freezing issues, but I think I'm good now. Good to have everybody with us. We may have Camille Camille joining with us uh, midway. She's having internet issues at her home, so she may be joining us. Um, But let's run through what we're going to be talking about today. As always, it's a one-hour show talking about all things Airtable. We always start off with our round the bases, keep you up to date on everything news related and what's going on in the different communities around Airtable. Then we'll do a quick shout out to Entourer, our primary sponsor. Then we're going to learn more about Alex and his story and how he came into the world of Airtable. And then Alex and Scott are going to show us um, some show. I I was thinking it was text messaging, but it's really more chat messaging using Airtable for chat messaging um, and how that works in, in Airtable and a live chat uh, messaging system. So we'll dive into the world of chat messaging and then a quick shout out to how to join our community if you're not already in it. And then finally, Scott's gonna walk through um, using um, currency and number fields and show us a cool uh, hack around fields. So with that, we'll start with our round the bases and uh, not a whole lot going on. I actually only have two things to share, both um, Airtable specific. So I think it's been a little bit quiet, maybe because of holidays. But the first thing is, is the community is moving. If you go to the community.airtable.com, 
you'll see it's in read-only mode. So they're working right now. Um, it looks like on December 1st, which is a couple days away, they will have a new site on a whole new platform. I know, Scott, you've got opinions on this. What do you think? Oh, my... <laughs> Uh, I was just, uh, I don't know. I really love the discourse community forum. I love how user-friendly the software is, how inviting it is. They've got those cool leaderboards. It's really easy to follow threads and, and you know, all the preferences. So I don't know. I don't know if the new community can beat everything that we already have. I don't know. I guess we're going to find out. Yeah. What do you think, Allie? Interesting. I mean, it'll be... I have no idea what the new platform is, but I do agree. I've, I've really loved um, Discourse for the time it's been around. So, I mean, looking forward to seeing what the new community oh, looks sure. like. Yeah, Kavan did us all a favor and she took snapshots of all yeah, the leaders. All of the, <laughs> yeah, Kavan. Thank you, Kavan. <laughs> to hold on to, yep. The, uh, a streak of consecutive days posting, uh, 365 at least visiting. Um, and so these couple of days she's not able to post, so that's broken her streak. And I don't know what <laughs> she's doing with all her free time. <laughs> Kavan, if you're watching, let us know what you're doing with all your free time <clears throat> these couple of days. <laughs> Uh, and Scott as well. I think you're the top poster. Is that right? Thank you. Yeah, you I yeah, poster, number one and Kavan was number two. Here it is, all time. Yeah. Yep. Scott, Kavan, Justin, Bill, Camille, Jeremy. So Jeremy, we gotta get Jeremy on the show. He's the top one we haven't gotten on the show yet. <clears throat> mm -hmm. and that's crazy that Von Hall, who probably hasn't posted in two years, is still in the leaderboard that shows how much he posted at one point. <clears throat> it's amazing. Interesting. So yeah, we'll see. So in a couple of days, it'll be a new platform. Uh, hopefully, hopefully all your clout carries over and, and uh, you don't have to start over from scratch. <laughs> <laughs> totally. They did say that yeah. all the badges and leaderboard stats would carry over in their email. Okay. I'm interested That's to see good. how it looks, but they did say that, I think. Uh, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think the new platform is called Koros or something like that. Is that, did I get With that name K, right? Yeah. K yeah. K-H-O-R-O-S. Bill French yeah. found some interesting information on that. It's mostly, yeah. Yeah. mostly cons we don't know if it's conspiracy, conjecture, <laughs> or fact, but Koros's parent company is one of the primary investors in Airtable. Oh. Yeah. The relationship so between the Koros community software and Airtable. So that may be the reason for the move. Yeah. Could be. Could be. We'll see. <clears throat> All right. Well, the only other um, big thing, this is a little bit old. We, did, we weren't on last week to, to talk about it, but Airtable made a big announcement. Um, new APIs and new new endpoints, uh, lots of new stuff on the developer front was announced. It's still in beta, but let's go through these. So they're, they're using um, personal access tokens. 
So that's basically the ability to create multiple um, API keys that you could use on more granular control um, over things. Although the, there is some confusion as to whether you could use those in place of your API keys. Somewhere in the documentation, it says that you shouldn't use those with third party. That's more for your internal use only. Um, but API keys should are being replaced by OAuth. So OAuth is, is in beta. And um, so that is a big change. The big thing about OAuth is you can actually determine which bases that you want to give access to the, the third party um, tools that, that you're, you're giving access to. So, and you can give access to just read only or write or updating fields, things like that. So you have more granular control over who you're giving permissions to your data. So that is pretty cool. Um, you can also set things up at the workspace level. So you can give access to like just one workspace and any base current or future that's in that workspace or everything overall. So uh, that will be big. Um, what else? New API endpoints. So they're adding more uh, information, uh, new enterprise admin features. So I don't know if anybody's dove too much into this. Any other commentary? Uh, the comments API is exciting. Um, I know more and more clients that are into the comment feature, especially since they surfaced that element in the interfaces. Um, and I love the updates they've made recently that, you know, if you get a notification in your email, it says so-and-so mentioned you in this interface, instead of bringing you into the base, it brings you right to the place where the person actually wrote the comment, which is hugely beneficial. Um, wow. But the API, I mean, something actually a client, a client point, pointed out to me the other day is that when you put the grid, a grid view in an interface, at one point or another, they showed the little numbers next to the, each row to say this row has two comments, this row has three or whatever. Those, those numbers are now gone. So this mm. comments, and, and I get I get why. I mean, I think it makes sense for security purposes, but that now with this API, you could at least, you know, if a comment exists, you could have a little flag on that record saying there are comments on this so you don't have to expand everything to look for it if that makes sense yeah that's cool that's interesting yeah i've i've played a ton with the web hooks and the new personal access tokens and very similar to what you were saying with the oauth the new personal access tokens are so cool because you can choose specifically which bases you want access to and with the and you can specify what actual permissions you want, like whether it's reading or writing, or there's a couple other things as well. You know, for the webhooks, whether you're monitoring table changes or data changes. Um, so it's very, very powerful. By the yeah, way, I forgot. they don't even list webhooks in this one, but yeah, webhooks is part of this release. <laughs> oh, they don't mention that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, one thing that's kind of interesting, if you can get into the technical weeds of webhooks, if you don't get overwhelmed by the technical nature of it, because there's no there's no front end to it, you have to get into it yourself, you know, through other means. If you, um, as a user of Airtable, are not, um, you know, put off by the technical elements, the webhooks are a very interesting way to work around the limitations of Airtable's automation runs. 
So, because there's no limitation to how many times you can trigger a webhook. So it's, it's almost identical to the automations with a lot more power, but it has that little loophole where you can work around the automation runs. Yeah. It also tells you when records are deleted, which there's no other way to do that really. So that's a powerful addition. That is correct. That is correct. Of course, now that I've mentioned the loophole on this podcast, they're going to close that loophole. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the whole point of Webhook. So I doubt that they would close that. <clears throat> but the other thing to mention is there's now a new web, web uh, documentation for all their API stuff. So this is pretty nice. I know you, you gave them uh, some kudos for, for this new layout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can break out so you can see everything. And and the meta API is also part of this. So now that that's publicly, that used to be uh, required um, additional uh, approval from Airtable to get that. And so that, and they, asked, they actually added more to the meta API that wasn't there before. So now you can actually create a base via the API before you could just do tables and Fields, there are some limits, some fields you still can't do, especially formula fields. That's like the one big thing with the meta API. Once you can do a full base replication, that's a game changer. Um, but nothing around, there's no API for interfaces or automations. Those are, those are two APIs that would be cool if they ever add that functionality to be able to create interfaces dynamically through an API. That would be, that'd be crazy. That would be incredible. Yeah. I was very, very surprised to see that they added the create a base feature, which I think we had just been talking in the forums just like two weeks prior where we were telling people that that's not a part of the API. Then boom, it was a surprise. Um, and you're right. And you cannot create any formula fields or anything that's yeah. like a formula like field, like roll up fields, for example, you can't create. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's still missing. Um, but yeah, once, I mean, this gets you a whole lot closer to, you know, being able to build true apps in Airtable and, I wonder, it's a matter of time before this gets abused of people creating millions of bases because they don't charge you per base, right? So you could you could literally generate a million bases. That's true. <laughs> I don't know if there is some kind of cutoff, but it says unlimited on the pricing page. Who's up for the challenge to see if they really mean unlimited? <laughs> uh, I'll nominate Bill. I'll bet Bill's working on that. <laughs> Bill or Kavan, maybe. <laughs> yeah, Kavan, Kavan. Yeah, I will say um, uh, Kavan's commenting in here. Um, she has used personal tokens as a substitute for an API key. Yeah, I, I, I know it's possible, but their documentation says they, they don't want you to or they don't prefer you to. Um, she also mentions webhooks give you previous values, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. So that is really cool as well. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. That yeah. is huge. Pre previous to that, you'd need to do some crazy workarounds to like save the old value and compare it to the new one and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
That's the tricky part about webhooks is they're only live for seven days. You have to refresh it within seven days. Otherwise it just dies. And I don't know if that's just for the beta or if that's the plan to be when it rolls out or not. I'm not sure. I think, uh, yeah, I was talking with Sean Keenan about that. He's the uh, he's one of the guys that was working on the API stuff. And he made it seem to me that that would be a permanent feature of it, that they would expire after seven days. Mm. Uh, but what you can do is you can just like set, you know, whatever tool you're using to access those webhooks, you know, whether it's JavaScript or, you know, make.com or whatever, you can just set like a daily repeating yeah. um, automation that just does a ping to refresh it like once a day. I mean, at, at most you'd have to do at, at the least you'd have to do it once a week, right. but on the safe side, you may want to just refresh it once, once a day. Yeah. Which is kind of silly if they've got all these people pinging them to refresh it, they should just have a keep alive setting when you create it, you know, and that'll save them from getting all these refresh pings. <laughs> That's true. I wonder if they're doing it because when you do call the webhook, it actually gives you all the information historically through time that that webhook has ever received. And, mm. and you can, and each, each call is labeled by a cursor number. So you can say, I only want the information from cursor number 17 onwards. And so maybe they're expiring them so they don't run out of disk space eventually because the webhooks it, it's not like the webhooks just send you the information and then delete that information. That information is permanently stored in that webhook. So maybe mm -hmm. they're doing that because they were worried about too much storage taking place. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. So yeah, it's, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to see what this does to open up, you know, new innovation. I've, I know I've been thinking of, ways to take our applications. I'll actually talk a little bit about that um, in the Ontario demo, but it, it definitely opens up Airtable to be more of a true platform, all of these new functionalities. So we'll see what, what, what creators do with it. Any other final comments? Any, anything I've missed on updates from the communities? I think in relation to this, I'm not sure if it was released prior to it or along with all of this. And I know it's an enterprise only feature, but there's now you can have like an access only account. Um, I, ha I haven't been able to find it, but it's and I have not taken advantage of it yet, but I can see where it would be useful to like set up an account that says, OK, this is going to be my access account for my Zapier API. And so you don't have to worry about like having it, that API key be associated with a person that may leave. And then you are left with a bunch of broken zaps that you need to reconnect. Um, I think I think they called it an access only account. I'm not sure. I, I had the documentation up the other day, but I'll dig around for it and find it. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know about that. That'd be extremely helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. Are they service service accounts? Yes, service called. account. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if they're in here. Let me see. I've got it somewhere. But yeah, I think that would be super, super useful. For sure. So they've got the personal access tokens, uh, the OAuth. 
Yeah, it says service for enterprise for enterprise admin service accounts, set up service accounts as non-user accounts for integrations and other uses. But uh, some I, I that was copied and pasted into my Slack somewhere and I'm not sure where it was copied and pasted. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something that was in that's in beta that, that you're using? I'm not I'm not using it yet. It was something that one of my clients like pointed out to me and was like, we should look at this. And I was like, yeah, we should. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For real. Yet. <laughs> yeah, no, that would definitely be be helpful. Awesome. So yeah, this um, there's other limitations. Uh, like with webhooks, it's like six webhooks per base or something. I think oh, there's a, a pretty uh, low limit, and that might be just during beta. Yeah, no, they're actually. I think they're sticking with the limit. I asked about that as well. And I think the current limit is 10. Um, so that, that's kind of a problem. I mean, I mean, it's only a problem if you're, if you're going to be, if you plan on being a heavy webhook user, then, then it couldn't be a problem for you. It's not a problem for me, but it could be for, for somebody. Oh, Kavan said in the chat that yeah. there is a limit of 500 bases per workspace. Interesting. Anyone yeah. want to know who's going to so be? So it's not unlimited, call? like they state. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is there, is there anywhere that counts yeah. how many bases you have? Like under your storage, does it tell you the number of bases? Because I don't even know. I've never seen that. I don't know. I would love to know. I'd love to. Yeah. Let's start a thread about how many bases people have in their work. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> this is interesting. I, I don't think I noticed this. Webhooks created with user API keys will not expire, but are restricted usage on enterprise plan users. Oh, and will be hmm. deprecated. Oh, so that's <laughs> like that the old API keys. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, I was, Dan, I did the same thing you did. I was so excited by that last sentence. And then I got to the part, oh, and they'll be deprecated. So yeah, we better yeah. not go down this path. So I think that's just, yeah, because legacy webhooks was available on the enterprise plan. So they're basically saying like those will still work for the time being. Yeah, more, more from Kavan. Expiring webhooks make sense for webhooks that people create to try and then never actually use. Definitely true. Um, so yeah, good stuff coming. I think this will, we'll see lots of innovation, um, and excited for that. So that kind of concludes what's going, what's new, relatively quiet, but that was definitely a big update, um, that, uh, you know, we'll see how long they haven't said how long the beta is. Have they, have they set a date of when it's out of beta? I don't think so. Yeah, so maybe a few months um, before that goes out. <clears throat> and one more from Kavan, enterprise service accounts, an account that is not tied to a user. It's also free, free if you're on enterprise. Right. Nice. All right. Very good. Let's move on to Ontoair, our primary sponsor. Ontoair is an all-in-one toolkit that, run, that helps you run your business on Airtable. Um, if you rely on Airtable for your business, you need to be checking out Ontair for all the suite of apps that we have. Um, today, I want to talk about our backups app. 
and um, maybe pull the curtain back a little bit um, of, you know, some behind the scenes of running a business that's dependent on Airtable and some of the joys of what you get to deal with. So as most people know, um, so we have a backups application that helps you back up all your data and it will store it into Box, Dropbox and um, Google Drive and it'll back up your data and your attachments. So as you know, we've talked a lot about um, changes that Airtable made with expiring URLs for attachments. And so we knew this was coming. We, we did some prep work to try to prepare for it. But Airtable didn't really give us like you couldn't uh, beta like sign up for it. And so we really didn't know what the behavior was going to be until it actually the, the switch was flipped. And so we thought we would be in a pretty good case or situation to, to handle it. Unfortunately, that was not the case after a couple of weeks of kind of reviewing what the new behavior was with, with expiring URLs. We found that we were not fully um, prepared for, for that change. And it definitely had an impact on, on how we backed up, especially the attachments and really just how they worked in, in conjunction with the destinations. Um, Dropbox in particular, it, it had some just odd behavior that, that we didn't foresee. So um, actually, just at the beginning of this, this uh, podcast, we sent out an email to anybody that was impacted. Um, we did have some delays in, in backing up our attachments, and we had to rework our code to, to better support the, the new expiring URLs. And because of that, we have a huge backlog of attachments that that still that we're actually retrying. We we don't know for certain how many actually got backed up, so we decided to just re-back up all of the attachments since the change, which means we have weeks worth of of um, attachments that need to be backed up, and it takes quite a long time for that. So if you're a customer of our backups, I apologize for the inconvenience, but we are working on it and um, it'll take a few days for the backlog to, to clear out and we'll get everything backed up and stored. And we're now um, prepared for, for the future with, with this new approach um, and dealing with it when, when those URLs expire. And, um, but the good thing about it and in conjunction with all these new changes um, that Airtable is doing we're working on the next iteration of backups to be able to back up your comments with your data. So that's a new feature we're working on. It'll probably be Q1 of, of next year, uh, maybe Q2. We're also, we, we're also pretty much rewriting our, our backup um, processes to be much more scalable. So that's in, in the works. Um, backing up all your, your schema data, which before you could do just through our schema apps. We're now incorporating that into the backup. So you'll be able to back up your, your schema information as well, as far as all your field data and table data. So that will all be uh, available on certain tiers of the backup um, plan. And um, I think those are the main ones, your backup, your comments. Uh, your meta. So lots of changes coming, reworking to, to support the new URLs um, and things like that. So just wanted to share that with any of our customers um, that may be listening, but you'll get an email with full explanation of what's going on and how it impacts you. So 
you should have already received that um, during the show. So with that, we'll move on to our spotlight on Alex. Alex, welcome to the show. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your, your background, um, your business, then I'd love to, I'll just kind of turn it over to you, but things I'd love to learn about is your story, how you found Airtable, um, maybe how, what you were trying, what you were using before Airtable to accomplish your, your business goals, and then really how Airtable has changed your business. So with that, why don't we... Yeah. <clears throat> in here. Cool. No. Tell us, Alex. Uh, well, thanks, Dan. Thanks for having me on the show. Um, my name is Alex Tejas. I have been a data scientist now for 13 years, which makes me like a, like an old timer in my field at the rate that like General Assembly graduates data scientists is, you know, it's pretty, pretty common now. Um, <clears throat> I live and work in the Bay Area. Um, and so I've been fortunate to work on like a lot of really interesting projects. I've done um, some of my more funny ones. I've, I've worked in online dating, um, news, advertising, banking, healthcare. Uh, two, two of my favorite data science projects I've, I've done that I enjoyed uh, was in uh, NFL football. So, right, um, Bill Brady and Tom Belichick, they're the top longest standing uh, they were, um, you know, quarterback and uh, coach duo. And we tried to build an algorithm that could predict run or pass, depending on the down distance, the game, the weather, et cetera, et cetera. And it turns out that Bill Belichick is like a, he's like a 55, 45. So pass 55% run 45. And we were able to get him down to around 77% using something called sequencing. So this is when an algorithm takes previous plays and kind of, ties them up as a sequence, but it remembers what happened in the previous plays. So as an example, um, you know, if I said A, B, C, D and said, what are the subsequent words to that? You would obviously know what that is because you're taking the sequence and you're applying it forward. Same thing that we do here. Um, the other one that I did that was really fun was uh, uh, a while ago, I was a bit of a wine buff and we built an algorithm to predict um, vintage years of Bordeaux wine. So that uh, if you wanted to buy the wine while it was in a barrel, um, kind of like a future of a stock, you could buy it. And then we would predict whether or not the wine's value would go up or down based on certain uh, geographical features. And so my whole life has basically been in data science and, and algorithms. Um, I've been really lucky to I've written a book about it. I've taught courses on it. And so um, it's been it's been quite a, a journey of data science, if you will. But one thing that was um I never really got into, there was a pretty clear division of labor, if you will, um, was kind of more of the data engineering side and also the data storage side. And so typically in a typical workflow of data science, right, you have um, data engineers, you have SQL guys, you have, you know, data warehouse people, DevOps, et cetera, and they're storing this data. And then as a data scientist, you're asking for data. So you're consuming it and then you're doing something with it. Um, and, why this was so interesting like about Airtable was for the first time um, I had to think about, I guess, taking off my data science hat and turning on my data engineering and kind of like data storage hat. And so not having ever done this profession in my life, not only do I have a huge respect for DevOps people and, and DBAs, et cetera, but um, 
I was able to discover Airtable. And so, you know, fast forward uh, to kind of present day now, um, and I work for a company called Sterling Managed Services. And what we do is we try to build applications in the healthcare world, uh, in particular for elderly people. And so given that this is a very growing population here in America, um, the idea is how can we better serve our elderly by kind of caring for them better and trying to use data. And obviously that's where the data science comes in to kind of get at better ways to care for elderly people. Um, and doing so, that's kind of when I had to research this question of like, well, where do we store this data? <clears throat> and obviously there's a ton of like data storage solutions out there. Like if we, you know, we could hack, like I'm sure we could hack like a Google Sheets kind of like multi-tab thing together. And I'm, I'm sure people do. But um, it was only kind of uh, researching and doing my own independent research when I said, you know what, like, I probably don't have the acumen and wherewithal to get like an entire Oracle DB like in front of me and like try and do this as a data scientist. So I thought, what was the most intuitive thing that could get me up and running, at least for a prototype? And that's when I found Airtable. And that's kind of when I had like this wow moment where I was like, so you're saying that I can do a lot of other things with automations. I think that's that's kind of like a really fascinating thing that Airtable does. Um, and in doing so and finding these automations, I started to ask like more thought provoking questions. And I was like, I wonder if it can do this, that and the other. And um, not knowing those answers kind of led me to the Airtable community, which kind of dovetails nicely into the beginning part of our podcast. That was when I was like, man, there's like this guy named Scott who keeps like commenting the heck out of like forums and stuff like that. Like, seems like he knows what he's talking about. You know what I mean? He has like a modicum of like intelligence. And so that's when I like reached out to Scott and like Scott and I have been been working together um, ever since. But that's kind of my journey from, you know, data scientists, nicely packaged data to suddenly now you have to do it. Um, but Airtable has kind of given me this, this opportunity to do so in a really intuitive way. I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, you know, I think, I think one of the interesting things that, that we see, um, and I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about uh, kind of what Scott and I are going to like demo here for you is as, as companies like Airtable or a Zapier or a Make kind of democratize technological functionality, right? Um, and, and technology is easier to use and it's more consumable by people. So too comes, I think, the desire to do something with it, right? I mean, that's kind of the essence of data science is like, okay, you've generated this exhaust. Now let's do something with it. And so one of the key things I had thought about was, you know, we're working with a lot of people. So, you know, elderly people who are receiving care, we're working with care administrators. So these are people who are sending, you know, nurses to your home, to your mother's home to care for your, 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 your loved one. And all these people are kind of asking somewhat similar questions, such as like, you know, hey, what did my dad do today? Or, you know, did my dad or mother take her medication for the day, et cetera, et cetera. And these would not only be coming from the concerned loved ones, they're also coming from the business as well. And so we kind of had this idea where I said, you know, 
I don't want to, you know, have death by paper cuts by way of like report requests all day. Cause believe me, that would happen. And so I thought, is there a way we can use all of these kind of um, applications and Airtable to kind of make a chat bot such that the user, in this case, it could be the loved one, it could be uh, the business, it could be uh, an RN, it doesn't matter who, the loved one can kind of like self-service themselves with a really intuitive chatbot that had a whole bunch of webhooks on it in which those webhooks would fire essentially queries to Airtable and extract data and send it via email wherever it needs to go. So that was the thought process is how can we take this really good data and kind of have it be self, I mean, kind of have it be like a self-service kind of thing whereby, you know, like you can fend for yourself more or less. And, and as opposed to just you asking me all the time for, for data, et cetera, et cetera. So with that, um, let me, uh, I'll just go ahead and share my screen, Dan. And uh, we yeah, get to I think you have to reshare it. Yeah. 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 Well, I'll share my screen. Um, okay. Let me, uh, let me move on. So this is our base showcase on chat messaging in Airtable. And I'll share your screen. Okay. There you go. Okay. Um, so this is a, uh, this is a client that we have, and this is, you know, these are real people here. And you'll notice that um, on this site here, we, we work with a company called Chatbot, and we named this particular bot in honor of Scott. And <laughs> Scott bot. we even have the avatar. We kind of had to make it look like him as best as we could. <laughs> I'll put on my glasses to match. Hold on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, let me just show you um, kind of, let me take you through the, the application first, and then I'll kind of show you the back end of what had to happen. So here it's just, it kind of works like it's, it, you know, we wanted to make it intuitive where you're basically pressing buttons. And so it says, you know, hello staff, please tell us essentially what it is you want to do. Do you want to explore your clients, caretakers, et cetera? So we'll just press one because we want to explore clients. And then it says, you know, okay, let's explore your clients. Press one if you, you know the person that you're interested in or two if you want us to list all of the clients that you have. And in this case, I, I'm going to choose the one that I know we have. And it says, you know, go ahead and type in the client's name. And you can also build, and I'll talk about the chatbot app. You can also build kind of defensive coding here where like if they type in something bogus, like, you know, Brad Pitt, you can be like, hey, that's not a real client. Um, but, you know, here you just say, you know, this is this is a client's name. When days do you want it? You can choose these different things. And so if you look right, these are just date filters. So you're just being very clever with date filters. But obviously the user doesn't know that. So I'll just say the last 30 days and it says, great, we're going to generate a report. What email would you like this to do? So I'll put in my email address. Uh, yep. And then in, it basically says, you know, we're on it. And so behind the scenes, so here's my email. And as you can see, there's the report for Paul Novak and you click it, it generates the CSV. Um, and here's all the things that Paul Novak has done the last 30 days, this particular client. And so behind the scenes, what we have here is, this is an application called chatbot.com. 
And this was my first kind of like chatbot, so it's really inefficient in how it works. But you're you're basically seeing this diagram, and this diagram is kind of like all the different steps and paths you can take. And I say it's really inefficient because I realize I could probably like dovetail things into other things, but I didn't really know what I was doing at first. And so this was kind of like my first foray with it. But as you can see, the critical step is webhook right here. So I'll zoom in. So everything basically says, you know, you're starting with like a name, you can set up filters, you can set up defensive coding whereby people, you know, don't put in a bogus name. This is the time frame that you desired. You know, where are we sending this email? This checks that it's an email, an actual, you know, at and with a .com or whatever. Um, and then at the end, we have a webhook here that fires. And as you can see, um, this webhook fires, we're sending it to make and um, makes just a really good, it's a really incredible uh, partner of ours. And this is our make application for this particular chatbot. It's huge because we have a lot of permutations that go on with it, right? We have a lot of different scenarios that you can do. I think it's got like 120 like modules and stuff like that. But every one of these light blue modules, and I'll try and zoom in. I mean, these are these are Airtable modules, right? So it's doing a search records action where we're basically filtering if the record exists, if it doesn't exist, if it does exist, create that CSV that you saw me open and then send the email. Um, and if it doesn't exist, we need to send another email that says, hey, sorry, this, this doesn't exist. And so all these things are basically, you know, to go back to the flow, we have this chat bot here that is basically logging the path that the user wants using those numbers like one, one, two, two. And based on that, I guess, code, we're decoding that path in the context of these automations here. And then it's firing the emails with the CSVs over to kind of whoever needs to consume this data. And so that way they can really kind of um, fend for themselves. It's, so it's gotta cool. be one of the most complex make <laughs> maps we've seen. <laughs> Yeah, well, like I said, it was it was like my first go around with it. So it was terribly inefficient. I think the first time I'm sure there's like a lot more we can do with it. But, you know, what it what it does do is it really kind of again, it relieves the I wouldn't call it the burden, but it just it lets people consume the data on their time when they want to do it. So if someone's working at like 11pm, and I'm not there, they can just pull up this chat bot and they can say, hey, I want to look at, you know, all the things that this particular nurse has done. And whether, and we even have it like if it's a specific nurse and a specific client or just everything that this nurse has done in the last whatever data frame you want. Because one of the things I've noticed is just like with Airtable in the data science world, there's all these other um, applications that are making it really easy to, you know, gleam insight from your data to visualize it. And, you know, that, that should be shared and, and I'm glad it's being more democratized. And so, you know, again, if you're working at 1030 at night for whatever reason, and you're on this chat bot and you download all this data, you can now go do something with it um, using all these other tools at your, at your leisure. And so I think it's a really nice way of um, essentially like exposing your base, but without like giving someone, you know, <laughs> the keys to your base of Airtable, right. you're letting them kind of like explore it. Um, and, and quite frankly, you know, the, the number one business intelligence application on the planet is Microsoft Excel. And that's just what people know and use. And whether that's good or bad, I, I'm not going to debate, but people are familiar with that. 
with that medium of kind of looking at data in a very tabular format. And this kind of gives it to them in, in kind of how they'd want to do it without kind of like, you know, like this is the formula field in your table and you can adjust it. Like it's just kind of more like it's consumer ready and it's ready for you to do something with. Alex, it's so awesome what you've done. It's incredible. It's very cool. I couldn't do That's that. awesome. That's why we named it the Scott Bot, man. Yeah. Hey, it came, it, came, it came from you, man. I'm so honored. I'm so honored that there's a real bot, a working bot out in the world named after me. <laughs> there you go, man. It's the first time. Yeah, Alex has really been pushing Airtable to the extremes. Uh, with Nate. When, when Alex first came to me, he was using Zapier. And Al, you actually couldn't do the things that you wanted to do in Zapier because you, with some of the other things that you didn't show today, um, you're doing like aggregations and a lot of like very heavy logic that we, that you, that you were able to solve once you switched over to make. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, I didn't know about make quite frankly. Right. So the first thing I knew about was kind of Zapier and, you know, not knocking them, but what, when I approached Scott, I said, you know, here's kind of what I'm thinking of how to do. And I kind of, you know, approached him and I said, I'm not able to do that at least, at least to my knowledge. And when we talk about what that is, I know that was like really broad, but one of the key things that we do, at least in healthcare, that's very important is we need to be able to look back, right? It's, it's, and again, this is probably the data scientist in me that's getting all like that, but we need to be able to say, you know, if someone, let's say your mother or your father is not receiving adequate care, we can't just throw our arms up and say, well, my, my dad's not receiving care. What we need to do is we need to be able to look back in time and say, well, why is your father not receiving this care? So let's look back and steps. And those steps could be defined as events, days. Doesn't really matter to me how you define the, the steps back, but we need to be able to do a look back and kind of aggregate data from a look back point of view. And that's kind of where make really, um, that's where Scott opened my eyes to make. And, um, you know, like we're, we're very happy uh, enterprise make customers. <laughs> so thank you again, Scott. <laughs> I love it. You're welcome. Thank you. I love going on. I love doing all these, these, these challenging projects with you, which are so successful and are helping people in a real way. Yeah. Like, like, for example, Alex has this whole text messaging system that he set up in. So it goes with your slide, Dan, that said text messaging. Yeah. He's got yeah. a text messaging system set up that if two negative events happen in a row to a client, like, for example, uh, somebody doesn't take their medication twice in a row in a day, then a text message will be automatically sent to the caregiver to let them know that that happened. And that's because the nurses in the field are actually, they have QR codes that they can scan to let, uh, which then gives them a survey to fill out, a brief survey where they could say, what happened with this with this client? Yeah. So, I mean, just briefly, so, and thank you, Scott, for launching into it. But, you know, one of the key things that we've found, just we have a, we have an entire like clinician board of directors that helps us with. And just, just so that we all know, Everyone does better when you receive care at home. It's actually never a good thing when you land in the hospital, whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter. You want to kind of avoid a hospitalization. And so what we found is for elderly people, they do better when they receive care at home. That's obviously true for everybody. Um, but the key, that the key thing that I think the pandemic really did is it really burned out a lot of workers, especially in healthcare, whether you're an RN, you're a caregiver, it, it doesn't really matter. They kind of have been really burned out. And so 
um, because it's kind of been an unfortunate revolving door of people who are caring for other people. The idea is, could we use data also, like Scott said, using aggregations to say, let's say Alex was caring for Ali today, but for whatever reason, I, I can't care for you tomorrow. And Scott needs to come in and care for Ali now. What does Scott need to know about Allie so that Scott is like halfway prepared for like caring for Allie. So if we know that, you know, Hey, like Allie, like has like a bum shoulder from like Monday. Now we know like, okay, well like that, that shoulder there. And we can also determine like how, you know, like what are the best times to give Allie her medication so that she doesn't miss her medication. Right. Cause if you miss enough of it, you land in the hospital. That's obviously bad for everybody. And so all these types of really complicated, um, logical paths um, were made possible, um, you know, using make, but also using Airtable. So Airtable is, you know, holding this data and we're querying it all the time. Um, and then we're using text messages to communicate because, you know, that's just, you know, I mean, everyone, everyone's connected and, you know, we're all just kind of like see it and, 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 and this, but, but as I was saying, if it's a revolving door, the data, that knowledge leaves with that person. And now we can kind of take that knowledge and we can pass it to the next caregiver um, so they can do their job better for, for the next person. That's awesome. I've really showcases basically using Airtable as a as a um, knowledge repository, a knowledge base, and how to query data out of it. So, very cool stuff, Scott. I believe you're gonna expand on that same concept. If you want to share your screen, yeah, I will share my screen. Let's see here. Okay. Oops. Uh, oh, okay, cool. There you are. Perfect. So yeah, so Alex really, really inspired me to dive more into chatbot because because Alex was the first client that I had worked with that actually wanted to create a chatbot. And Alex dived in and created it. And I was so inspired by it. I started playing around with chatbot to see what other things can we do with chatbot. And as you can imagine, what you can do is you can actually have the chatbot communicate back with the person about information that it finds in Airtable. Uh, so in Alex's example, um, you went through the whole chain and then at the end, the chatbot emailed you a customized CSV file. And in this demo, I'm gonna show you, the chatbot um, will actually respond in the chat with the information that you need. Um, so check this out. What I have here is uh, a simple database here of some customers. There's a first name, a last name, uh, the last payment we received from them and the last payment date that they made. And then here in the chat bot, I've got a very simple scenario that I set up here. And let's just run through it and I will show you uh, what happens here. Um, you can see this corner of my screen, right? Okay. All right, let's assume yeah. So, oops, that's <laughs> that's actually their chatbot <laughs> for chatbot.com. I meant to go up here to test my bot. So I'm going to go up here to test my bot. And it says, welcome to our customer information chatbot. Let's try to find you in our system. What is your email address? So if we go back to Airtable here, I have three email addresses in here. So I'm just going to choose jane at example.com. So I'm going to type in here in the chat. I'm going to say jane at example.com. And then I hit return. And the chatbot comes back and says, 
hello, Jane. So it actually, from the email address, it actually pulled in the first name from right here. So it says, hello, Jane, would you like to know your recent payment information? So I'm going to say yes. And then the chatbot thinks for a moment and it comes back and says, your last payment was $250 and it was received on 11-1-22. And if we come back into Airtable, we see that here's the information right there. And Again, like, uh, like Alex was showing you earlier, this is all due to placing webhooks within your chatbot scenario. So, you know, you set these, you know, this whole path here, and Alex showed you a perfect example of a very complex path. And what you can do is you place these little webhooks along the way. And then what you can do is you can set up a scenario in Make here where after you receive the webhook from chatbot, so th this right here is how you receive the information from chatbot with whatever the person typed in. And then it does something in Airtable. So in this case, it's searching for the records. And then here is the key. The key thing here is that it will respond to chatbot with information that's taken from Airtable. So for example, if I go into this module here, we can see that I'm actually sending back to chatbot. So after it searches the records in Airtable and it finds a matching person, a matching customer, it'll actually send back to uh, chatbot the ID, that's the record ID in Airtable, the first name and the last name. Now, we're actually not using all three of those right away. Uh, in, in, because if you remember when the chatbot actually said, hello, Jane, it was only using the first name. However, one thing that's super, super cool about Chatbot is that it actually remembers any information that's sent to it uh, throughout, oops, where is it? It's over here. It remembers any information that's sent to it throughout the entire path. So it'll remember through this entire process, the email address that somebody typed up, and it will remember through the entire process, it will remember the record ID number, the first name, and the last name. And the reason that's, that it's important that it remembers all that is because when it comes to the second webhook, and that was the one where it said, would you like to receive your payment information? Yes or no. Then what it will do is, oh, this is actually where it asks the question. And then when it goes out to make, I've got another uh, scenario set up here. And this time it will actually throw in all the information that it has received so far in the scenario. So it'll take all the information that it has collected so far and it will send it into the make scenario. And then we have all the information at our fingertips. So in this particular case, we only needed the record ID. So we all immediately know which record ID to look up. So you can see here, we're just pulling in the ID. This is all the information that uh, that chatbot will send into Make, and down here under the attribute under the attributes, it will give you a list of all the information that it's collected along the path, and then you can use it any way you want in Airtable, and then once again you create another webhook response, and I formatted the date here. Here's the payment received, and you send it back into chatbot. So it's really, really powerful. It's very, very cool what you can do uh, with chatbot. And uh, Alex is the one that inspired me. Now I want to do chatbots for everyone. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that becomes your interface, your UI for, for Airtable interacting with it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and like Alex was saying, there's security measures you can put in place. You know, if you don't want everyone to have access to everything, you know, have them type in a pin code, you know, with their email address. Um, what a yeah. cool interface, right? I mean, like exactly what Scott did, right? Like say you misspelled Jane and you put in, you know, Jan, um, you, it, it'll, it'll go in there and you can say like, you know, Hey, that's not like a valid response. And it'll, it'll do like that kind of like defensive kind of checking for you. And it also has like, um, synonyms. So like all the different permutations of saying yes and no it has. And so like, you know, if you ask it like a yes or no question and, you know, you respond with like, you know, yep. Y E P it'll go like, yep, that's a yes. And then it'll route you like correctly. And so it's got like all these really cool um, things that are built into it. And, and what I love about when you test it, as you saw with Scott, you get this nice visual UI that lets you see where you are exactly on the path so that, you know, you can, you can diagnose if, if a step's not working as it should. That's Very awesome. cool. Yeah. I think a lot of people are starting to yeah question what how can I use a chatbot now? <laughs> you just have to name them all the Scott bot. Scott bot, I love it. I love it. Thank you, Alex. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Well, let's move on. Let's go. And while you're getting your next demo ready, Scott, I'll give a plug for our Built On Air community where you can interact with amazing people like Scott and Alex. I don't know if you're in our community. If not, you need to join. Join us at builtonair.com slash join. That'll get you into our newsletter and our Slack community where there's thousands of um, Airtable users all discussing every day about how to best use Airtable in your own life and business. So check us out at builtonair.com. For our final segment, Scott's going to give us a cool Airtable hack. Uh, yes. Yes. This is something that um, uh, affected one of my clients the other day. Let me share my screen again yes. here. Oops. And, um, okay. And they are a uh, commercial real estate company. And they had a very complex database where they were keeping track of, of the square footage that, uh, that they're dealing with for all their different commercial properties. And what we realized was that Airtable doesn't actually give you the commas in your numbers. And it's something that I've always known, but I never really, really noticed it until we were dealing with like these really large numbers. And that's especially, it's especially confusing when you're looking at these numbers down here. I mean, it's confusing to start with when you're looking at these numbers down there, but then it's especially confusing when you're looking at sums up here, because at first you're like, wait, is this 202,000? And then you realize, oh, wait a second, that's actually 2,024,000. You know, very, very difficult because if you go into the number field here, there's, there's no formatting that allows you to show commas. And then I figured out a quick little trick, a little hack, which is that the currency field actually shows commas. And so look how much easier this looks. And the only real trick here is instead of using a number field, you use a currency field, but what you do is you remove the currency symbol. So normally your currency field would look like something like this, 
But if you remove the dollar sign, oh, and by the way, change your precision to not be with decimals, just make it an integer here. Then what you have is a field that looks just like a number field, but it has commas instead. And this is really cool in interfaces where this really comes in handy. So because we were creating an interface, look at the difference between these two. On the left is without the commas, on the right is with the commas. And the com and so you can see how much, this is so much more confusing to read down the left side of this versus the left side of this. And if you hover over like the little pie charts here, there's no commas in the values. And then over here, there are commas in the values. So same thing with this. If you hover over this, you've got the commas. And if you over hover over this, you do not have the commas. The only thing that's weird is that Airtable removes the commas for its legend here. I, we might have to email Airtable about that. They may not even know about that. Um, so that's the only weird thing. And then the other sad news is that this will not work for our friends in Europe or other countries. This will only work in the US and Canada because we use commas as uh, thousand separators. And in many other countries, most other countries, they actually use periods instead. Mm -hmm. And Airtable is only set to show commas instead of periods. But if you're in the US or Canada, this will work very well for you. And so there you go. Just a nice little tip, a little trick on how to make your numbers more readable across the board in Airtable. I, I think love I that. just had an aha moment. Yeah. <laughs> Although actually, it's a question I get very, very often, like more often than I would think is, can I put commas in the chart on the side? Like they don't really care about the numbers in the base, but like when they're reading the, the chart, the bar charts and the interfaces, people want to see those commas. And that is something I've never thought of. I love that, Scott. Thank I you. I love it. I'm so happy I was able to give you an aha moment today. That's great. That's but really great. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it makes it, it makes a world of difference. But we have to put pressure on Airtable to <laughs> give a, the European people the same thing and fix those little legends on the side. Uh, then we're uh, then we're golden. Yeah. Or just add it to the number field. Oh, or that. Because <laughs> <laughs> you you know they can do it because they do it with the currency field. They do, and I think if I recall correctly, is there the option to remove the commas in the currency field formatting? I don't, let me check real quick. I don't think that's an option. Yeah, I didn't see that. So that's not an option. Isn't that interesting? So you yeah. have no option to add it in number fields and you have no option to remove it in currency fields. That's interesting. <laughs> I, um, blah, 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 blah. I really also, to that end, want a two currency or a currency format formula. That would be amazing. It would probably return as a string so you wouldn't be able to like make any fun bar charts out of it. But that would also be helpful for our friends in Europe. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And by the way, for, for the people in the US, you could actually create a formula field that you hide from the users and, mm -hmm. and format it as currency and do the same trick that I showed you. And that would be if you don't like the dollar sign showing up in the toolbar, you know, up at the top, because that might confuse people. Wait, am I typing in currency here? Um, still wouldn't work for Europe, but it would work for us here. Mm -hmm. yeah that's great yeah and Kavan has in her ready-made formulas i think um uh a way to get the that currency converter formula ah nice the nice. one that returns as a string but yeah yeah 
Very cool. Ellie, awesome. you're going to go back and modify Alex, all the shirts to have today. you on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for showing your it's awesome to life scenarios of how people use it in the real world and for real business use cases. So thank you. And Scott, thanks for bringing Alex on and for showcasing your stuff as well. Always good thank to have you. you. So that uh, concludes today. We'll be back next week with our final episode for the season. So join us next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern. Thanks for sharing what you built on air. Take care, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye. 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 Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.